0: This is The Shameless Mom Academy, episode 268 with Erica Tebbins. Show notes for this episode, including all links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes for our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 268. Welcome to The Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. Erica Tebbins is a sales strategist for female entrepreneurs. She teaches women to sell in a way that feels good instead of pushy. She's also a leader who encourages women to play bigger and show up more boldly in business and in life. She runs a vibrant dynamic group for women in business and does public speaking for passionate female entrepreneurs. When she isn't working, you can find her sipping black coffee on her couch with her husband, her 13-year-old son, and two very spoiled dogs. I was so excited to have Erica join us in the SMA because I wanted to ask her all about her unconventional hobbies and interests, from roller derby to running for political office, as well as building a successful direct marketing business. I was so curious to learn what guided this confident behavior. I loved hearing your story, and I think you really will, too. So listen in to hear Erica share how roller derby stopped her from being swallowed by motherhood, what inspired her to get involved in politics, even though she didn't have the traditional credentials, and the powerful ripple effect her campaign had how she maintains the confidence to try new scary things on a regular basis, why she left a successful MLM direct marketing company, and tips on selling without being sleazy. This is super key for any moms in sales or direct marketing positions. So this was a really fun conversation. I can't wait to share Erica with you. So let's go ahead and dive in with Erica Tebbins. Erica Tebbins, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here today. Hi, Sarah. I am so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. This is going to be fun. And I'm excited because there's some conversation points here that we're going to get into that I haven't talked about on the show before. And so I always get excited when I feel like we're tapping into new territory. Yeah, definitely. It'll be good stuff. Okay. So I want you to tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now.
1: Oh, gosh. What am I most excited about? Well, let's see. So a little bit about me. I live in upstate New York with my husband and our 13-year-old son. We have two very spoiled dogs. And I feel like where I live, I live in this cute, tiny village that a lot of Gilmore Girls fans, it looks like Stars Hollow, like where they live in there. It's like this cute, quaint little place. And yeah, we've lived here for about nine years. We transferred here from Seattle in 2008 when my husband was transferring with the Navy. He's out of the Navy now, but that made our life pretty interesting while he was in. And yeah, I really love living in the Northeast and I love being a part of the community I live in. And I feel like Right now, I'm kind of most excited about some things I have that I'm getting ready to launch in my business. Um, And also just some personal travel. We have, as you can imagine, the Northeast, we have very long, very cold winters, So we try Mm -hmm. to make the most of summer. So my son and I are going down to New York City for a few days next weekend to visit some friends, some friends of mine from college. And then we have like a week long camping trip coming up. And so we're trying to finish the summer strong, doing all sorts of Fun things before the snow starts. <laughs> oh, I love that. This is the first summer that I feel like. So, my
0: son is almost six. And so, he's able to do a lot more fun things and be really engaged. And this is the first summer I feel like I've really planned a lot more time away from work to take advantage of time with him and do like fun, adventurous getaways. But there's been this pull, especially because I'm going to be away a lot in August. There's a little bit of like a pull of like, oh my gosh, like, can I really take that much time away? And I love that you just said that it's balanced by hibernating in winter. (laughs) And that's such a great reminder that like, I do have the winter time where I do tend to hunker down and we don't do anything and we don't have horrible weather in Seattle. It's just dark and gray. And so no one wants to do anything. And so I appreciate that reminder. Like now I'm going to more openly and fully embrace my August of fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because I feel like I know when I lived in Seattle, I feel like it's around that Labor Day time when a lot of kids go back to school. And I grew up in the Southwest, and it's much, much earlier down there. And so I feel like August is kind of the last hurrah. And so I am somebody who can be really good about like just rushing through time because I feel busy and I have to get Mm -hmm. stuff done. So I'm trying to be a lot more mindful because come March – I just hate everything. And I'm like so ready for sunshine and to be warm and to be outside again. So just trying to like really carve out those moments and schedule that time for the fun and then just trust that everything I need to get done will be able to get done. Totally. Totally. And I mean that's an ongoing conversation with moms. I think it's like living
0: in the moment, being in the moment and not getting caught up in the busyness and rushing through things so that you don't actually get to enjoy it. And that's what I really want August to be about for our family is not rushing through it and trying to rush for me to get my work done or get my kid off to kindergarten, but like really being in August and enjoying August. So looking
1: forward. To definitely, that. definitely.
0: So you were introduced to me as a mom who shamelessly follows her own path. And one of the ways I know you did that was through roller derby. And I want you to tell us about this. I don't think I've ever had a roller derby mom on the show and I'm kind of intrigued. And also I really appreciate that you ventured into roller derby with not much in terms of skating skills. Tell us a little bit about what is involved with roller derby, what pulled you in and
1: kind of what that did for you. Yeah. So I, am a member of the Albany All-Stars, and this is our 11th season. So we are based out of the capital of New York. And in 2010, I decided that I was going to try out. We had gone to a few of the games, and it just seemed really, really cool. And I know, especially as moms, I feel like it's really easy for us to lose ourselves and not kind of have our own communities outside of like, oh, these are, you know, my other mom friends and we get together for playdates. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but like, I feel like we can sometimes start to be swallowed in our motherhood. And yes, these women were just like, they were awesome. They were strong. They were confident. And it seemed really cool. But I was like thinking back and I realized at that moment I had not been on roller skates in literally 20 years, like since I was in elementary school. And even then I was never one of those kids who was good. Like I would fall down all over the place in my Barbie roller skates and I was (laughs) terrible, but I was like, you know what this, you know, tryouts is coming up and I'm just going to give it a shot and we'll see what happens. And so I tried out miraculously, I made it into the league. So I just started practicing and And learning and everything from there. And I skated for two seasons. I was really involved for two seasons. And then I took five years off because my son was still really little. My husband was still in the Navy, had a crazy schedule. We don't have any like family or anything like that around to be able to help with childcare. So I took five years off. And then last year, one of my best friends was our head official. Mm -hmm. And he really encouraged me to come back, but as a ref instead. And I kind of hesitated for a bit, but then I decided that I was going to go for it. And so I did. So I refereed all of last season. And then I actually ended up becoming our head official kind of abruptly, but for this season. So we go all the way through till about November. So we're just over like the midway point in the season, but it's very challenging, but it's also really amazing to be a part of.
0: That is so cool. Can you tell us a little bit about what it was like, like showing up for the first time, going to the first practice? Was that terrifying or were you like, I got this, doesn't matter if I make a fool of myself or if I fall on my face, like, sounds terrifying to me, but I'm not sure if that's your nature or not.
1: So I think I maybe hit it very well that I was terrified, like I didn't, you know, burst into tears or anything like that. But I do remember I was super terrified at the beginning for the longest time, not only just because, learning all the skills and everything was really difficult, but just other women who were there, they seemed so cool and so (laughs) confident. (laughs) That's totally what I
0: think of with roller derby. Absolutely. It's like a confidence factor that I think would be more, maybe as intimidating as the sport itself is that piece of it. I love that you brought that up.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, it's funny now because one of the women who founded our league she is one of my best friends now. And I remember at the beginning, being so insanely like afraid and just intimidated of her and by her. And then like later on, as I got to know her, I'm like, Oh my gosh, she's like the sweetest person. And, you know, she's so easy and fun to hang out with, but she just seems so cool and so tough. And I was like, you know, she probably thinks I'm a big loser, you know, the (laughs) whole thing. But yeah, (laughs) that's
0: so interesting. I love that you use the terms around being swallowed by motherhood and how common that is. And I love the term swallowed. I think that's so appropriate. So not only are you like doing something that's new and different, but you're also kind of stepping out of this realm, where like, I feel like roller derby identifies as like confidence, independence, all these things that are kind of the opposite of how motherhood can often make us feel. And so I can definitely sense how intimidating that might feel. And I also think that it's really a sport where there's kind of a lot of badassery involved, which I love and I think is so cool. But I imagine when you're brand new, it makes it all the more daunting to get started.
1: Yeah, it definitely can feel really scary going into it for so many reasons, but I always tell people, I have so many people all the time who are like, Oh, you know, I wish I could do it or I would do it, but you know, or all these things And I'm like, you know what, just seriously, just try it yeah. because there's not really like, yes, there are women who've been in sports their whole life, but there are also a lot of women who are not that like I was never, ever, ever an athlete. I was always like the indoor creative art and theater kid. And I feel like for the first time in my life, as I approach 40, I finally feel like I can call myself an athlete and like all it took was really just kind of like this crazy decision to get started down that Mm -hmm. path and just like trusting that it would either work out and be great or I would hate it and I could quit. So yes, I love that. And
0: keeping it super simple, like it's either going to be great or I'm going to just stop doing it and it'll be that like either way, it's fine. (laughs) Right. <laughs> no right. love lost. <laughs> right. I totally appreciate that. So do you think your confidence that you built in pursuing this new hobby and this new activity that was so independent of motherhood helped you build confidence in other areas of your life, especially, and I guess the second part to this would be identifying as an athlete for the first time as an adult. How did that shift other areas of your life?
1: I feel like it showed me that I can really be like strong and I can put myself out there and I can really like love my body and that you know my body is powerful and that I can learn new things and like sometimes it you know whether it's in business or life or whatever it can be so hard to see progression day by day and it just feels like oh I'm not where I want to be or whatever but when you look back six months and you realize that now something is coming easy for you that used to be really, really hard, it really feels like, oh my gosh, like, look how far I've come. I've been able to do that. And I feel like, you know, even simple things, like even six months ago now, some of the skating skills that I have that used to be such a struggle now come really easy. And so it, it kind of is just a good reassurance that like, when I'm in the moment, whether it's like as a mom or a wife or a business owner or whatever, it can be easy to not see how much I'm progressing. But then, like one day, all of a sudden, I can look back and be like, oh my gosh, I really did come super far mm-hmm. and I, I am able to do that. And I don't struggle with that now. So I definitely think it's spilled over to all areas of my life. I think that's really common. Like a lot of women will come in and then they'll start playing. And then before you know it, like they're leaving bad relationships, they're changing toxic jobs, they're like moving out of, you know, into like a better place or whatever. It it kind of like shakes up your whole life because I think it shows you that you are capable of so much more than you thought you could.
0: Yes, yes, I totally agree. I have had a similar experience becoming an adult athlete. For me, it was in my 20s, but I absolutely agree that it really validates you as a person and it validates your strengths in all areas of your life, which I think is really, really cool and such a transformative process. So I know you've also gotten involved in politics recently, and I would love to know what inspired that and how you got started. And was there any connection between like, well, I did this roller derby thing that was terrifying and that went okay, so maybe I should become a politician.
1: Yeah. I mean, ever since I was in high school, I've, you know, tried to stay up on politics and, you know, be like an active voter and everything like that. And I love the show Parks and Rec. And my friends joke and they call me Leslie Nope. <laughs> I love Leslie Nope. But she is very much like this ambitious go-getter. And if she sees a problem, she wants to help solve it. And in January of 2017, there was, in my tiny, quaint little village, our... Elections for the village were about to take place that March. So, kind of not unlike the normal voting cycle that we think of. And so, our local Democratic committee had found two guys who wanted to run for our village board. And then there was a spot that was going to be open for village justice. And it turns out in upstate New York, in small villages and towns, you don't actually have to have a legal background to be. Village or town justice. It's very interesting. And so they wanted to run a full slate of candidates. And so they reached out and they asked me. And I was really feeling at that time like I needed to do something. Like it's one thing to just complain on social media about that you don't like how things are, but it's different to actually do something. And I felt like I needed to do something. So when they asked, I was terrified. And I was like, I don't even know if I really want this position. But what the heck, like, let's do it. Let's go yeah, for it. Yeah. This
0: episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called understood explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is IEPs, she talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered, she explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can go listen to Understood Explains, just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up, click on it, pick your episode and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. I swear it's like, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S. AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS.
1: And because it had been right after the election, it was the first wave, after the presidential election, it was the first wave of, elections that were taking place. That was kind of a really interesting and exciting thing to go through. And we only had seven weeks to campaign. So it was very quick. Mm. But my husband and I got out in like, 10 degree weather knocking on people's doors. And it was wild. And I lost, I came pretty close, but I lost. And In hindsight, though, it was probably like for the best that I lost, but the other two gentlemen that I was running with, they both won. And what was really cool was a good friend of mine, then One Town North launched her campaign and she actually won in November. And then other friends of mine around the country were like, I saw you run. So then we went to different meetings and things about women running for office. And they're like, We think it might be something we would want to do someday. So even though I didn't win, it's like weird, the ripple effect that it had of on other women in my life who were like, well, I saw that you did it. And you're just right. kind of this like friend, this like average friend of mine. So like, because <laughs> I think that's the thing. And people think, totally like, well, I have to be somebody. Right? No, I completely agree. And, I love like, I think that should just be everyone's angle. I'm just average. Yeah, I'm just yeah, average. I'm just and so that was really cool for people to be like, oh, I went, you know, to this Emily's List function, or from you know this organization that helps women run, like, you know, I went to this meeting, or da da da, and like just to start thinking about like, hey, maybe one day I will run myself because I saw Erica do it, and yeah. so that was like the really, really, really cool positive outcome that came out of it on the other side.
0: I think that's so impressive, and I absolutely agree with you, the ripple effect of women seeing other women running, and I think that, you know, I think there's been a lot of trauma and drama around the last couple of years of politics and a lot of horrible, scary things, but also out of that, I think, has come an opportunity that people would have, and women specifically, would have never otherwise taken advantage of, and I think there are some gifts in there for sure that... I see women stepping up and I see people speaking out and I see, I mean, the things that I see happening on social media, which I know like politics on social media can be such an ugly, awful, hideous thing. But there's also people who are really, really taking advantage of opportunities to become more conscientious and to become more politically involved and to become, to exist on more of an activist level. And I think that's so powerful. And I absolutely agree with you about the ripple effect. I know there's a woman who was a personal training client of mine a number of years ago, and she's a suburb of Seattle now, and she's running for office. And I remember when she posted recently about running and I thought, oh my gosh, like, this is amazing. I mean, she's a, super smart, talented, successful woman, but also she's all of us. And if she can do it, there's no reason that someone else can't. And I think that that's exactly what we need to see, that we don't see it as only like kids who were raised in political families can become adults who become politicians. I think that that's really important for us to understand that everyone has a voice and anyone can take advantage of that opportunity to lead. And I think that's really, really important.
1: Yeah. And I think that we have this weird vision of elected officials as like only being the people in D.C. But there are actually a lot of opportunities in your own communities to serve and even on different boards or committees or things like that. And I think that like we have to stop assuming that we don't have what it takes, because honestly, like if you are running your home. And especially, you know, if you're running a business and you're already a leader, even if you don't see yourself as that, and you don't need to have all these like external credentials in order to be able to do that job. Well, you just have to really have a passion and be willing to serve and be willing to really like listen to people and their concerns.
0: Absolutely. Oh my gosh. And we talk about that on the show a lot that, we actually have way more credentials than we think we have. And motherhood is what gives us a lot of those credentials, but they're not like commonly acknowledged or embraced. But if you consider the skills that you have in motherhood, especially if you have like three or four kids, it's like, oh my God, you could negotiate a world peace treaty if if you if you can navigate arguing between siblings. And so I think that understanding that credentials don't need to come from a degree or like past political experience. Credentials can come from managing a household and a family and raising children. Absolutely. So where do you get the confidence to venture into uncharted territory? You've given us these two really powerful examples of how you've done that and you're just average (laughs) as you identified yourself. So where do you get the confidence to try these things and to put yourself out there. Is this just part of you or is this something that you actively have to kind of cultivate and
1: push yourself into? I think it's a few things. So I think I'm a naturally curious person and I'm a person who loves to kind of have experiences in life. So for instance, like I grew up in Phoenix And I wanted to live in New York City for college. And that was it. Like, I just wanted the feeling of what would that be like to live as young adult on my own in New York City for four years. And so I only applied to two schools. And I was just like, this is it. I just I'm going to trust that I'm going to get into one. And I did. And like, I mean, I think back and I'm like, that's crazy because I was 17 when I graduated high school. I had no family on the East Coast or anything, but I was just like, this feels exciting and I want to know what this will be like. And I, you know, I kind of always knew like if I hated it or something, I could just like leave that college and go to a different college or something. And I feel like it's similar in a lot of different things. It's kind of like when you get that like butterfly feeling in your stomach and you're like, well, I don't know. Like it might be kind of interesting if I do that or, you know, or if if I ask that person for his phone number, you know, or whatever the case may be. And then I just sort of tell myself, because you know, your like fear brain will try to talk you out of it. Totally. But then I kind of remind myself, like, what's the worst that could happen? Like, I mean, I'm if I could, you know, run for office, like either two things will happen. I don't win or I do win and there's like pros and cons to both of those but I'm never gonna know either way if I don't try it or if I say like oh you know I'll let somebody else do it or whatever and not that I like dive in and take on every challenge I'm I'm pretty selective as well but I think I have this like end of life fear not really fear is like too strong a word but like awareness maybe awareness. Yeah. Of like, I don't want to be 85 and look back and be like, you know what? I wonder what life would have been like if I tried to do roller derby or, you know, I wonder what would have happened if I had tried to run for office or start that business or whatever. I feel like I would rather know the feeling of I did it and it didn't work out than the like, what if, and that I'll, it's too late and I'll never be able to know now. And I feel like that that fear overrides the like primal fear of like, what if you fail and what if people laugh at you or, you know, things. Yeah.
0: That's so interesting because I had the kind of the opposite experience growing up where it came time to go to college and I was like, how do I stay really, really close to home? And like, where's my best friend going? That's where I want to go. Like I had no instinct to go anywhere far away. And as soon as college was over, I was like, Okay, well now I'm going back to Seattle. I'm like obviously, where where else would I go? And so I am always really fascinated by people who have this like opposite pull to go out, do their thing, like go out into the wild unknown and really like embrace it and you know feel how it feels to be there in these uncomfortable places and to learn and to grow there. And in my youth I was so the opposite and in adulthood and especially through entrepreneurship I've had to be really conscientious of pushing myself. And now I've learned, I've gotten so much positive reinforcement from pushing myself that now it's a little bit addicting where I'm like, ooh, like what other scary thing can I try? But that's not my natural nature, I don't think. I think it's something that I've had to like learn through practice and then remind myself like, oh, when you try new things, even if they're really hard and even if you completely fail, it's still okay. Like you learn really valuable lessons or you have really funny stories about how you completely, you know, drop the ball or fell thought on your face. And I think that there's value in that, but it's interesting coming from very different backgrounds, whether that's to kind of analyze if it's in your nature to take these risks or go for certain challenges versus if it's not in your nature and that might feel all the more uncomfortable and scary.
1: Yeah. And I, it's interesting because my younger brother and even my son they are very different from me. They are, you know, they like to be at home, they like things to be more calm. And, you know, they're just they're a little bit more like content, I feel like. Mm, And on the flip side, too, is I think sometimes people see things I do and assume that I'm just like really great at all of them. And honestly, like, I'm a very like mediocre skater. And like, it's not even that I'm like, oh, I I try these things and I like knock it out of the park. So like, you know, of course I'm going to keep trying new things because everything I do like turns to gold. It's totally like, (laughs) honestly, more more often than not, I either completely fail or I like, you know, do it, but I'm not excellent at it, but it's something I enjoy. So I just, I keep going. And I think that's the thing is like, I feel like sometimes we feel like Well, if you do something and you're not really excelling at it, then it's like a time waster or something. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if you even just enjoy it, like even if it's just a fun outlet for you, then it's worth having in your life.
0: Totally. Yeah. There's still a ton of value there. That makes so much sense. And I think that's such a great point. And I think that when you're someone who does try new things regularly, people assume that it's like easy and fun and always just comes naturally and you're totally right that like it might look that way on Facebook but behind the scenes it's very different that you still um, there's still tons of value kind of regardless of the outcome I think that makes so much sense. So I know your professional journey has also been unconventional so you can you talk about what that has looked like and I know you've been involved in at least one MLM and you opted to leave when you
1: were successful there so I'm very excited to hear kind of about that whole journey. Yeah. So in a nutshell, I went to college to be a high school teacher. I love working with that age kid. I think they're super interesting because I feel like teenagers haven't, they still have that curiosity about like trying new things and like being optimistic. And then I feel like we kind of lose that as we get older.
0: Yeah.
1: So I love that age group for that reason. And then because of the Navy, then when We moved from uh, Phoenix to Seattle area. I had my son. I wasn't teaching. And then I ended up becoming a store manager for a really large Calvin Klein store there. And the one that's just north of the city. And that was something I never really planned on. And I was there for three years. I had this huge team. We were really successful. I absolutely loved it. And then my husband uh, got new uh, orders out on the East Coast where we live now. And so I had to leave all of that behind. I couldn't even transfer out here because we don't have a store near us. So I had to leave that behind. And when we got out here, my son had just turned four. And so I realized that as much as I was really kicking butt in the retail management world, the hours were a nightmare in terms of family scheduling because you're working every weekend every holiday and i just really didn't want that anymore so i kind of just started looking around for different jobs and just on a fluke i ended up working for the organic vegetable farm that we were getting our produce from so i started working there at the market and as I do pretty much in like every job I have, I end up just like working my way up. So I was taking on more and more responsibility. And then I ended up for about four years, I was the person who managed all of the staff for their three weekly year round farmers market. So I did hiring, training, scheduling, all sorts of stuff. I also did a lot of like visual marketing and different things in that regard to help us sell more at every market. And I really, really, really loved it. And then, again, just kind of by a fluke, I ended up, one of our customers was in a direct sales company, and I never thought that would be something I would do. I ended up having hosting a party for her. And then a few months later, ended up joining that company with the intention that I would do it for like four to six months just to get some free product that I wanted. And then I was going to be done. Cause I was like, that's not my thing. You know, I'm managing this farm and I love that. And you know, I love teaching and training people and I love selling. So In the first four months, though, I ended up having a ton of success that was really unexpected, especially because we're not from the area. I didn't have like a ton of friends and family here, anything. And so I just kind of kept going because it was fun. And then around like the four year point, I had already become a leader in the interim. So I had my own team. I was doing monthly trainings And again, like I love like teaching and training women, business and selling. And I was, you know, traveling all around and and just loving it. And I had earned like three, like, you know, when you see the people who like get the vacations or, you know, the cars or whatever. So I was like one of those people. I had earned three entirely free vacations. And I had actually, with all in the period of about six weeks at the end of 2016, I realized that I had these four huge goals that I had been working toward and like, and I was like, wait a minute, shouldn't I be like over the moon? Like I just earned my third, you know, totally free vacation for me and my husband. I like promoted a friend on my downline. I hit this huge sales goal, like all this stuff. I got selected again to be like an educator for the company the next year, the whole thing. And I was like, something doesn't feel right. Like, what, what's going on? So I gave myself a little bit of time. And then I kind of just realized I was like, I am playing too small. Like, I need to play bigger. And I so I, like, sat on it for a little bit. And then because part of me demoting myself would be giving up my whole team I had built up and all these other things. And I felt like I was going to really be letting other people down. But once I got comfortable with that and I realized that, like, no, it, everything was going to be okay, I demoted myself. And then I decided what I really wanted to do was I wanted to help other women in any industry be able to sell better and have more confidence around selling and make more money in their businesses. And I kind of had that realization because as I was working my own business, two of my very good friends were each starting their own businesses, one a product based, one a service based. And just for funsies, I'd been helping them. And I loved every moment of it. And I could do it endlessly for hours. And I wasn't even getting paid. And you know, they always tell you, like, you should do the thing that you would do, even if you weren't getting paid. Totally. And so I was like, I think this is where my issue is. Because even though I was teaching and training women, it was under the umbrella of direct sales, and then under the umbrella of this one company. And I felt like I had knowledge and experience that could help other women who were creating their own businesses. And I just wanted to be of service to more people. So that was it was very weird. It felt very weird to be like, I'm at the top of this, you know, of my game in this one thing. And then I'm just gonna leave it all behind. Like what insane person does that? But I just, I knew in my gut, it was time for me to, to pivot.
0: I, this makes a ton of sense to me personal level, because I recently did something very similar and walked away from a successful business, sold a successful business because I was like, this isn't where I'm my best self anymore. And this isn't the thing I want to be growing anymore. Like it's not the, this isn't the language I want to be speaking. And that was like, it took me some time to wrap my head around that. But once I realized it, once I Like I kind of gave it a few months, I gave myself a few months to think about it. And then I was like, okay, like, I'm pretty sure I want to go in a different direction. And that was at the time I'd already started the podcast. And I was like, I think I want to grow the podcast and really build something big around that and make a, build a platform around that. And the deeper I got into the podcast, the more I could see, like, these are the conversations I want to be having. This is the direction I want to be going. This feels much better. These are conversations I'm basically already having anyways. Like you said, like I would do it even if I didn't get paid for it. Like I did do the podcast for a long time without getting paid for it at a decent expense to myself every month. So I relate to the idea of walking away from something successful because you know that there's something else more significant on the other side of that. Did you have pushback from your family or from your husband that like you're walking away from your income and what is this going to look like?
1: Or did it seem
0: kind of easy and obvious to
1: everyone? I have to say that my husband's really good about being supportive. He doesn't always, you know, want all the like nitty gritty, but he, he also works in like the semiconductor industry. And I don't always understand what he does either. (laughs) I just know he's happy and he likes it and everything. And I feel like that is, you know, one thing that is really good between us is that he he also knows I'm really stubborn. And when I get like on an idea, I'm going for it. And, you know, best not to like, try to get in my way kind of yeah, a thing. Yeah. Because I'm just really like relentless. And he was also really, really supportive and, you know, and he understood and he didn't want me to keep doing something that my heart wasn't fully into anymore. And and it was also a big part of it, too, was I realized I realized what had happened was I had kept getting myself in this loop of, so, you know, I was in corporate retail, so always working weekends. And then I ended up working for this farm and I loved it, but most of our markets, you know, were on Saturday. So I was back to working on the weekends. And then you know, in direct sales, you're doing home parties, and you don't yeah. have to party on the weekends. But a lot of times that's when you do that's when the business is the
0: best if you can like find people when they're home. So it's evenings and weekends.
1: <laughs> right. And so I, I realized I was like, I keep getting in this loop. Like I keep telling myself, oh, I I want to have a job or a career or whatever, where I can be w- more with my family and like have weekends off. But I end up like looping back into this cycle. And I was like, you know what, I really don't want that. I really truly, because now my husband was out of the Navy, he actually had weekends off. And I really wanted to, not saying that all weekend, every weekend is family time, but I just really wanted to kind of like hold that space open on the weekends where we could travel and go see friends. Or even if, you know, my husband and son wanted to stay home because they're more like introverted than. Like I'm a super extrovert. So a lot of times they just want to hang and and like, I want to go out and do stuff with my friends or do different things. And I really wanted that space to just be open. And I felt like it was time because I now, especially now that my son is a teenager, I am getting to that point of where we are closer to the end of the kid years than the beginning. And so now I feel like I'm on borrowed time and I didn't want to keep thinking, oh, the only way I can be successful and have money is if I keep trading my like prime time Mm -hmm. for money and I'm going to force myself out of that like trend that I keep falling into. Right, right. That makes a ton of sense.
3: I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility and joy.
0: How did building your MLM business, what did that teach you and how is that carried over into building your current
1: business? I think it taught me a ton. I think what it really showed me is that I was able to have a lot of success because I sort of intrinsically am good at selling because I feel like I realize I know what it is and what it isn't and how to do it in a way that feels good, but also works. And it's kind of like one of those things like, When you just know something, you don't always realize that other people don't know it. Like, if you know how to tie your shoes, you're like, how do you not know how to tie your shoes? Like, it's so, like, you just do this, this, and this, and then your shoes are tied. And I feel like because I've literally been like selling since like something or other since I was 15 years old. And so I just got really, really good at it. And I realized that, you know, there are hundreds of thousands of women in the industry who, don't really know how to do it in a way that it actually works and also doesn't like repel people or, you know, like, like, I feel like there's a ton of misinformation and bad information and bad training out there in that world. And people telling people like, Hey, I know you're super uncomfortable, like doing this, but just do it and it will work. And like, it actually doesn't work. And the industry as a whole, like a bad name and a bad like vibe. And so I kind of was like, well, I want to be able to teach people how to do this. So whether they're in direct sales now or have their own business or whatever the case may be, I want them to be able to have that monetary success without feeling like they are sleazy, like walking infomercials for whatever it is that they are selling. So I that was kind of like my passion. And it also showed me, too, that... I am capable, like, you know, when there are these things like, oh, you can earn this vacation or you can earn this bonus or whatever, and I would just say, okay, I'm going to try to go for it, and then I would not always achieve it, but a lot of time I would. I think it just showed me, like, oh, wow, I actually can strive for something in my own business and achieve it, and that feels really good. And I met a lot of really cool, really inspiring women in the, the five years that I was involved in it. And I'm still very good friends with many of them. Um, and I, I feel like it really showed me that like, if I could have success once, I can do it again and again and again, I just have to do it kind of in my own way going forward.
0: So there's so many great things in there. And yes, I think if you've had success once to have the confidence that you can replicate it is such a great reminder. And I think that we often forget that. And I think you've done a great job of exemplifying that through like, I'm going to try out roller derby and see how that goes. And I can learn and grow. And then you were successful with that. And then from there, you can go into like, oh, now I'm going to try out politics. Also don't know much about doing that, but I'm going to try it out and learn and grow. And you were successful there. So I totally agree that these lessons are really valuable and carry over into other areas of our lives. We often like, Allow for this great disconnect, and there's really not a disconnect. Like, if you can build a skill set in one area, you can often take that skill set and apply it to another area of your life. So, I think that's such an important thing to point out, and I so appreciate you pointing that out. Can you? I know I have a decent amount of listeners who are moms who either have their own businesses or have like a maybe are involved in a direct marketing company on the side. And I would love to know do you have some like quick not sleazy sale tips that you could, could share with the, with listeners that can help women who are maybe considering doing something like that. Cause I think that's what holds people back. And even when they, and I've actually worked with one-on-one with moms who have direct marketing businesses and they're like, I love these products, but I don't want to sell. And it just feels so icky. And like, I think that's the challenge. And I totally agree with you that not all the selling tactics that the companies give you feel good to everyone. So give us a little bit of what you got.
1: Yeah. So I like to teach that you have to start from a place of authenticity and a place of service and really wanting to like enhance the other person's life in some way with the product. And you have to really like love what you're selling. I feel like I know that sometimes, you know, you People end up in one company because maybe that's their first exposure to it. And maybe they like like the product. They kind of like the company, but they're not all in. And I think you really have to be all in and you have to really love the, the company that you're working for as well. And it's so funny because I think sometimes people think like, oh, did you leave? Because something happened. And I'm like, no, I still love the company, like still love the products. It just was time for me to pivot. But I think that you have to do that and, and come from a place of like genuinely wanting to share and removing that like emotional hangup over whether they say yes or no or are curious about it. And I think that in selling, you have to really just be welcoming like from the get go and not overbearing. And then I think that you need to ask really good questions and then listen more than you talk and then create solutions for that person, that works just for them. So even if you're like, well, you know, I think that I would love for them to buy this. Like, so I like I sold handbags. So, you know, our, our big tote bag is more than a mid-sized purse. And if I'm asking them like, well, what do you carry with you every day? You know, and they only carry like their wallet and their cell phone, and I know I can make more money if I get them to buy the tote, but they don't really need the tote. It's I would rather sell them what they're actually going to use, the thing that they're actually going to love and enjoy and be happy that they bought with me, and then I can follow up. So I'm a huge believer. I have a freebie right on my website. You can opt in about getting a more repeat and referral business. In just five days, it's totally free. It's the follow-up system that I use, and I talk all about follow-up and why it's so important because then that person that you sincerely helped and you were open to serving them in the best way for them possible, maybe they got that mid-size purse now, but next month when the wallets are on special, you can go back and be like, hey, I know you got this purse. I know your wallet was a little bit old. You can actually get this this month at this discount. And then they are like, they're continuing to buy from you. They're more of like a long term customer than that one and done. Because when their wallet and cell phone are flopping around the bottom of this huge tote bag, they're going to be like, (laughs) why did she convince me, you know, like, totally, they're gonna have like a bad feeling. about You
0: haven't built trust, you've actually like broken down trust, if you sell them the thing that's not what they really
1: need. Right. Like so even if you know, like sometimes if like if you sell skincare or something and you're like, "I know that the 5-piece set is you're going to get the best results." Like they might not be at that readiness level to buy a 5-piece set. Like even if it's in their budget, they might just not want to use that many products every day. So like get them started on the 3-piece set and then follow up because maybe things will have changed in a month or two. I think that we tend to focus too much on the like get the quick sell now and not really building those long-term relationships with people. So we're always stuck in this like hustle hamster wheel of getting new clients and new sales because we're not nurturing the people well that we already have. And I also think too, like we have got to stop with the like oh, just email that person you haven't talked to in 15 years and tell them about the company you're with now. Tell them that you have an exciting opportunity. Yeah. Like, (laughs) no, like do not pass go, do not collect a hundred dollars. Like, no, don't do it. It is so wrong. And, and the thing is, is like, what really is like happening in that scenario is it's just other people who've been told wrong and then they're passing on that information. Like they don't necessarily mean to like ruin you financially or anything like that. They just don't they no, don't know they better. don't know right yeah
0: right, right. Yeah. once and- we know better we can do better which is exactly what you've done like once you knew better how to build this business and you're like ooh now not only can I be successful in this business in this MLM I could actually leave this MLM and be of greater service and do better by helping women across the board do better in sales and be more in, like in integrity in the way they do sales
1: yeah i think it one thing that is good about in a lot of the cases with network marketing is a lot of times it does give you good business foundations. And I've seen a lot of women go from their MLM business to create their own complete brand new business and yeah. been really successful. And that's super exciting. So does, I do think it gives you a lot of times a good entrepreneurial foundation, but I also realized that there were some gaps that I was seeing in some really basic fundamental concepts of business that really need, that are like the foundation of before you even try to sell, like you need to kind of know and understand these things. So I developed a really short, really easy, but impactful sales course for women called sell it sister. Mm which if you look at sellitsister.net, you can find it there. But in four weeks, it takes you through all of the essential foundations for selling in your business. So before you even are trying to approach people and have those conversations, it really helps you understand like why you're selling what you're selling, who would be best to sell to, and how best to do that, like have those conversations and overcome the objections and things like that.
0: Oh, I love that. So I definitely want anyone who's listening who is involved in an MLM or in a sales type job to go check out sellitsister.net. Yeah. And I'll have that linked up in the show notes as well. Okay. This has been so great. I mean, I feel inspired on so many different levels and I really appreciate you being here. I have one more question
1: before we get going and I want to know in what ways you're a shameless mom. I think that I am shameless because, so it's interesting because a good friend of mine who is actually also an entrepreneur, we were recently talking about this. This was actually something that I had heard from the CEO of the company that I was with, Cindy Monroe. So she had said, we were at this leadership retreat. We were actually at her home. And she was talking about her kids are older. They're like high school and early college age. and She said that when her and her husband started having kids, she really wanted to bring her children on their life journey, like with her and her husband, rather than like conform themselves to their children's life journey, if that makes sense. Like, I really love that. I feel like I'm really good about chasing after my own dreams and my own goals and teaching my son my values and like, you know, what's important. And Some good character traits, but not catering to his every whim all the Mm. time. I feel like, you know, when he is older, he will go out on his own and have his own life journey. But right now, like he's kind of along for the ride. Right. I think that a lot of times we don't do that because we feel like we need to make everything about our children. And I don't think it has to be that way. And that, that doesn't mean, you know, ignore them and don't do anything fun with them that they want to do. I think it's just like I never want to lose Erica in the midst of being mom. Right. And so he's always just been my like little tag along, which is really nice. And I feel like he's gotten to have a lot of cool life experiences that maybe some other kids don't get to have because I'm like,' no, you know this is the thing, like we're going <laughs> to visit these people or we're going out to dinner with these grown ups or whatever, and like you have to come along and you have to you know be respectful and be considerate and and all of that, but like I'm not gonna give up eighteen years of my life completely just to kind of like accommodate you all the time as this kid, right. I think that that's been really good because now that he's a teenager and you know more independent and everything. He is really good human. Like I have to say, not as like from a mom point of view, but just like from a person to person point of view, he is very considerate and thoughtful and funny. And it's really cool to see the person he's growing up to be is so far it has turned out well. But like I was just out of town at the end of last week for a business retreat. Like he knows and he understands and if I'm busy and if I have to work, like I would just say, like, hey, you gotta give me, you know, a couple hours or something. And and over time, like he understands what that means. So I, I really like that he can like see what I'm trying to do and trying to build. Right. And that I am my own person too. Right. So that was a very long winded answer. No, that like... <laughs> I think, think that was a really
0: valuable answer though. And definitely I totally appreciate how you explained that. So no, that was awesome. Thank you. Okay. So I want you to tell us where we can find you and then I'll link up everything you mentioned in the show notes as well. So people can find that over at shamelessmom.com. So where can everyone stalk you connect with you and learn from you?
1: Yes. So on social media, you can follow me at Erica Tebbins consulting. So whether that's Facebook or Instagram, definitely check me out there. And then my website is Erica And right when you go there, you should be able to see right on the homepage, um, that free opt-in I was talking about, about the more repeat and referral business. So if you sign up for that, you'll get that in your inbox right away and then you'll be on my list. So I have a new shorter sales course that is launching next week, actually called conversations that convert. Nice. Yeah. You'll want to be on my list for that. So you don't miss out. And then also, like I said, sellitsister.net will tell you all about my signature sales course. And yeah, and definitely, I mean, reach out to, like you can send me an email, you can message me through Instagram or Facebook. I really love helping people and answering people's questions. So don't be a stranger for sure.
0: Perfect. I love it. Thank you, Erica, so much for being here and telling us all about your multiple shameless ventures. I'm super excited about all the things that we covered today. And I really, really appreciate you taking the time to be here and inspire more shameless moms.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me, Sarah. I had so much fun. Yay.